help us know how to pray. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Just two uh, practical questions I want to address before I preach about the capital campaign, uh, questions that we've heard a, a couple of times. Uh, one is, where is the money in Sudan going? Who are we working with? Uh, in both Rwanda and Sudan, we are working with international Christian organizations, both of whom are audited externally so that we can have accountability and keep track of where the money is going. In Sudan, we're working with Serving in Mission. It's been around for about 100 years in 40 different countries, including the United States. And uh, there's been, in the region that we're working in, in Sudan, there's been a peace agreement there for over a year, and that peace agreement has held. Uh, and Sudan is the only part of the ripple effect that doesn't involve a building. And the reason for that is we wanted to leave something uh, in Sudan that would last no matter what happens with that peace agreement. And clean water and uh, Christian-based education is what we'll be doing there will last no matter what happens. It can't be blown up or taken over or something like that. If you want more information, you can talk to me, you can talk to Rich Leatherberry or one of our global outreach elders. Second question uh, people have asked is, how long is the giving period for this capital campaign? Uh, it's meant to be a three-year giving period. Different people may do it differently, but it's meant to be a three-year giving period, and we'll write a check once a month uh, for most of us uh, that is over and above what we're already giving to the operating budget because we need to keep that strong as well. And uh, all of that is explained on the commitment card, which will turn in on May 21st and which is in the packet that you'll get. And I just invite all of you to keep praying as we go on this journey. Which brings me to the sermon about prayer. Last fall, I took a management class to learn how to be a better manager, since that's part of my job, and they don't teach you that in seminary. And this class was filled with CEOs and CFOs and CO2s and, I mean, Cs and a lot of hot air in that room. And at one point, the instructor asked, what are some of the assets you have in your business that help your business succeed? And they all said things like, you know, our staff or our profit margin. And he got to me and I said, what can I say? I've got God. <laughs> Tough luck for the rest of you, right? And fortunately, they thought that was funny. And it opened up all kinds of evangelism opportunities later on. That is very true. As individuals, as a church, our greatest asset is God. And because Jesus has bridged the gulf between us and God, we have this great privilege of talking to God in prayer through Christ. But that whole subject of prayer brings up a lot of questions, doesn't it? Questions like, why do some prayers seem to go unanswered? Or why pray when God already knows what he's going to do? Or does prayer work? And all of those are great questions. And I'm not going to talk about any of them in this sermon. That's for another sermon. I want to look at a different aspect of prayer. Instead of asking the, prayer, uh, the question, does prayer change events, I want to talk about how prayer changes us and how through prayer God invites us to be a part of the adventure that he's doing in the world. And I think this is important as we continue this spiritual journey called the ripple effect, our campaign to do those three things you've heard us talk about, rebuild our aging education wing with larger, safer space for our kids to learn about Jesus, Start the Jubilee Reach Center in the Lake Hills neighborhood where we can offer tutoring, ESL, and other services to help families get out of poverty. And to build a street kids center in Rwanda where a couple hundred kids a year will come and live and be given job skills so that they can support themselves and get clean water and uh, train teachers to give a Christian education to children in southern Sudan. Three circles, all having to do with children and youth, 
all done in the name of Jesus. And prayer has been the foundation of this entire journey. You know, the elders didn't just get together a couple of weeks ago and say, hey, I know, let's have a capital campaign, shall we? Haven't done one of those in a while. Let's do it again. Now, we have been praying about this for two years. On two separate occasions, we spent a day in prayer and fasting around this issue. A week before the elders voted, they spent an entire hour just praying about this decision. The whole project is grounded in prayer, and it's going to take prayer to accomplish it. $14 million goal is doable, but it's a God-sized goal, and it's going to require that we all stretch and that we all pray. And as individuals, we need to pray to see how God wants to move our hearts between now and May 21st, when we'll turn in our commitment cards, move our hearts to what He wants us to give in order to see this vision become a reality. And if this campaign does nothing else but get us all praying, it's been a success. Because that's what's going to make this a real spiritual journey and not just a fundraiser. And I think the Lord's Prayer that we just read tells us a lot about how prayer works and how prayer changes us. Usually when we think of prayer, we we tend to think of it as changing events. And it can do that. But prayer also changes us to have the heart and mind and will of God. The whole beginning of the Lord's Prayer is designed to get us out of ourselves and focused on God. When we say, hallowed be thy name, we're saying, let your name be the most important thing to me, Lord. When we say, thy kingdom come, what we're saying is, displace my kingdom of greed and pride and control and replace it with your kingdom, Lord. Whole opening of the Lord's Prayer is meant to focus us on God and what he's doing in the world. And this is where prayer gets really exciting. Because it's through prayer that God invites us to journey with Him and He takes us on some pretty amazing adventures when we do. Years ago when this church was still in the old building up the hill, the elders determined that God was moving us to expand our facilities. The problem was the man who owned the land that the church needed to expand, the land we're on right now, he didn't want to sell it to the church. But there's a group of women who have been meeting every Thursday morning, literally for decades, just to pray. So one day, Scott Burbank, who's the business, who was the business manager then, he stuck his hair, head in this prayer group and he said, we're going to go talk to the owner of the land today, still doesn't want to sell it to the church, pray. Well, after about an hour of negotiations, the man who owned the property just kind of suddenly changed his mind and sold the land to the church. Right about that time that those women in that prayer group were wrapping up their prayers for the week and saying amen. That poor man didn't stand a chance, did he? Because somebody was praying. And what's great about that story isn't that it's just an example of answered prayer, though it is that. But more importantly, the people involved got to be part of a pretty amazing adventure because God invited them into it through prayer. God could have done that without their prayers, but he wanted them to be involved. And because of that, they saw God and they were more convinced that he's real after it than they were before that. And that's what's happening now in the Ripple Effect campaign. God is on the move in our church once again, and it's happening through prayer. Way back in 2001, this church did a vision study. People spent hours praying about God's vision for the church. One of the ideas that emerged was to start what they called a signature project, beneficial to the east side, big enough for all who desire to participate. The goal was to have that by 2006. Well, it's 2006, and that's exactly what the Jubilee Reach Center is going to be. And what's amazing, though, about that goal is that Actually, once it was made, we kind of forgot about it and didn't do much about it for a long time, right? But God hadn't forgot about it, and so he made sure we got around to it and just sort of dropped the Jubilee Reach Center on our lap. 
some pretty amazing ways. Because God is on the move in our church. Then there's the way that the school district and the city, uh, city government officials helped us get that property. Okay, that doesn't happen in King County very often, right? Government officials, school officials, working with churches, right? In case you haven't noticed, this isn't the Bible Belt, right? And did you know that the same man who designed our chapel building up the hill also designed the Jubilee Reach building? And that built building is located across from what used to be Green's Funeral Home on 140th. And 50 years ago, this church started to meet in Green's funeral home that was downtown Bellevue. That's a lot of coincidences, isn't it? Sort of makes you go, hmm. What? Thank you. (laughs) You rehearsed them. That was good. Our global outreach team spent almost two years praying about where God would have us get involved next. And for a while, they thought it was going to be Indonesia. But then they had an amazing prayer, a particularly powerful prayer session. went longer than usual. And at the end of that session, they were unanimous that God was leading us to Sudan. Okay, what you need to know is a room full of unanimous Presbyterians, that's an answer to prayer. That's kind of a miracle right there. And again, it's through prayer that God is inviting us into this adventure of what he's doing in the world. One of the biggest challenges the church in the 21st century is going to have to deal with is the advance of Islam. And Sudan is mostly a Muslim country. And by bringing kids there clean water and a Christ-centered education, we're introducing Jesus to Muslim people through serving them in a non-threatening way. And maybe even raising up future Christian leaders for that country. In all of these cases, prayer wasn't us asking God to do something for us. It was God inviting us into what he was doing in the world. And when you realize that the creator of the universe is talking to you, and inviting you into this grand adventure in the world, that's a rush. And now we all have an opportunity to do, to do it again. Once again, God is on the move in our church, and he's inviting us to be part of that. Now that raises the question, well, how do we know what he wants us to do? How do we know what he's saying to us? I've had a lot of people ask me in the last couple of weeks, Pastor, you keep saying to pray about this. How do I know how much God wants me to give? That's a great question. How does God speak to us? Well, I believe God speaks to us in a variety of ways. He speaks to us through the Bible, which tells us all about what God thinks and what he wants and how we're supposed to respond. God speaks through circumstances. Certain doors open and certain doors close. God speaks through the counsel of Christian friends. God speaks through a sense of consolation. Let me describe that, what that is. A lot of times when we're praying, God will give us a sense of consolation which is a feeling of the rightness of heading in a certain direction, or maybe the courage to act on something. Best way I can describe it is it's a feeling that all the puzzle pieces are just clicking into place. Now, that may not be a comfortable feeling. In fact, it's usually not. When I was praying about coming here, God gave me a sense of consolation. Now, mind you, I was terrified. I was scared to death. But that's part of how I knew it was God, because it was forcing me to have faith. And it's the same with each of us as we wrestle with our role and the ripple effect or, or any, any decision. If the decision you make doesn't require some faith, doesn't make you sort of suck in your breath a little bit and go, whoa, whoa, whoa God's going to have to be in this. Well, if that doesn't do that, if it doesn't require you trust God, you're not there yet. Now, I, I'm not saying that you have to go bankrupt yourself. Just a sense of having to rely on God. God speaks to us through scripture, circumstances, friends, a sense of consolation. And finally, God speaks to us directly. 
It has taken me years, but I have finally learned to recognize God's voice. It comes in thoughts that are like my thoughts, but that move more quickly across the surface of my mind and that aren't the things I usually think. It even happens in a different place in my brain, sort of right at the top, right there. Kind of weird, I know. Now, does that happen every single time I pray? You know, is there an aura around me with angels singing in the background when I pray so much as rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, or something like that? You know, no, no. In fact, most times I don't hear from God directly, which is fine because then I've still got scripture and circumstances and friends to help point me in the right direction and help me hear God. But occasionally he does speak. And the way we learn to recognize his voice is the same as anything else in life. Practice. If my parents call me on the phone, I know instantly who it is because I've heard their voice my whole life long. And it's the same with God. The more time we spend in scripture and prayer, the more we learn to recognize his voice. Every Monday night, there's a prayer meeting that meets in my office. And a couple weeks ago, we were praying about the Ripple Effect campaign. And that night, one of the couples that was there went home and the wife said to her husband, what would you say if I told you that while we were praying, a number popped into my head? And I think it's what God wants us to give to the capital campaign. And he said, do I have a choice in this? Or you pretty set. And he said, what's the number? And she told him and he said, hmm, what would you do if I told you that a couple of days ago God had given me the same number? And then they did, had to decide, now is that each? <laughs> or, and is that for the whole three years or is that per year of the three, you know? They decided it was at least each. You see, God is speaking to us more often than we think he is. We just can't hear him because our minds are so cluttered with our thoughts, our worries, our fears, our ambitions. I heard a story recently, probably apocryphal, but it makes a good story anyway, about a man who went to apply for a job as a Morse code operator. And he went into this large, noisy office, and there was this all kinds of noise, telegraph clicking in the background, all kinds of stuff. And the receptionist told him to wait with the other applicants. So he sat down, and about a minute later, he got up and he went into the boss's office. A few minutes later, the boss came out and said to the rest of the applicants, you can go home now, I've hired this guy. And they said, that's no fair, we've been waiting here all day, and that guy just barged into your office uninvited. And the boss said, yeah, well, that telegraph you hear clicking in the background, it's ticking out in Morse code. If you understand this message, come on in, the job's yours. <clears throat> you see, God is always talking. The question is, are we listening? And that takes time. And getting familiar with his voice through prayer and scripture. I also find it helpful when I'm praying just to kind of clear my mind. I'll, I'll spend some time just offloading everything I'm thinking. Just kind of stream of consciousness until my mind gets clear enough to hear from God. Whether it's through scripture or directly, God speaks. So this week, how can you feel God guiding your steps through prayer? Maybe use the ripple effect as an opportunity to practice. Pray with a spouse or a friend. Pray by yourself every day. Maybe pray about a particular amount to give and see how God moves your heart in the next two weeks, whether it's up or down or more or less. Stop by the ripple effect table on your way out and sign up to pray for an hour during our 24-hour day of prayer. You can come here. The chapel will be open all night. We'll have people here. We've even got people, or you can pray at home. We've even got people praying in Rwanda for us that day. You could pick up a park and pray sheet and pray for the local sites impacted by the ripple effect. And we'd like all of you to pick up a prayer rock. You know, normally in a capital campaign, you get some kind of manufactured trinket to 
to remind you to pray, you know, the little plastic thermometer with the victory goal on it, right? Or the plastic Jesus with the -the glow-in-the-dark hands, right? You laugh. I have one. Scott Dean gave it to me. True story. But we didn't want to spend more money than we had to on this campaign. We want the money to go where it should. So we came up with another option, prayer rocks. They're dirt cheap, literally. We'd like you to pick up a rock, write a verse or a thought on it, and use it as a reminder to pray, and then keep it. And then when we break ground on our new building sometime in the summer of 2007, we'll all gather together again and cast our rocks into the foundation of the new building as a reminder that that building is literally going to be built on the foundation of our prayers. We'll also send some rocks to Rwanda to put in their foundation. And they'll send some of their rocks here. And we'll do the same at the Jubilee Reach Center as a reminder that everything we're doing is grounded in prayer. I have a friend who one day was praying for her daughter-in-law who happened to be pregnant at the time. And this thought popped into her mind and it said, pray for his head. She said, pray for his head? What, What does that mean? But it was one of those thoughts that seemed like God, so she did. She prayed every day for the baby's head until it was born. Well, when he was born, he had this big scar across the top of his head. The doctor said that early on in the pregnancy, there must have been some kind of deformity, but that the head had literally grown back together and the baby was in perfect shape. Doctors called it an anomaly. Uh Uh-huh. What's great about that story isn't just the miracle. That's cool. But the great thing is that through prayer, God invited my friend to be involved in what he was doing in the world, this amazing adventure. Not just helping this baby, but also showing the doctors who may not believe in him that he just might be out there after all. She wasn't asking God for a miracle. God was asking her to be part of what he was doing in the world. And this is where prayer, to me, just gets so exciting. Because prayer is being able to talk to our creator, the God who hung the constellations, and and hear him speak to us. And hear him invite us into the adventure of partnering with him and reversing the effects of the fall. And as we pray about our role in this campaign, it gives us a chance to hear God saying to us once again, I'm on the move. I'm on the move in this world through FPCB and I'm pushing back the margins of evil. And this is the role that I want you to play. Here's how I want you to be my partner in this adventure. By helping children and youth on the east side have space to hear about Jesus. By helping families get out of poverty. By helping those kids in Africa, literally, who will not die because of what we're going to do. And by helping all of them know the God who loved them enough to die for them. You see, prayer is sort of like windsurfing. If you've never done it, you, you stand on this surfboard thing in the middle of a lake and you pull up this huge sail. And the minute the wind hits the sail, it is, it's just exhilarating. Because a power that is much greater than you is propelling you along through the water. And your job is just to hang on and have fun. That's prayer. Prayer is when we raise our hearts to God and His Spirit catches us and begins to propel us along to where He's going. And that is the biggest adventure you're ever going to have. I've said before, I think that the local church is the hope of the world. Well, if it's the hope of the world, it's because of prayer. You see, prayer is not the spiritual equivalent of the chess club. It's more like rugby. This is where the battle is fought and won. Prayer is what sends the devil running. Prayer is what mobilizes God's people to action. Prayer is how we find our role in God's grand story of redemption. And then things start to happen that are beyond all we could ask or even imagine because of the power that is at work in us propelling us along. And we start to do things and go places we never dreamed of before. You know, if you had told those original members of this church meeting at Green's Funeral Home 50 years ago 
that one day there'd be almost 4,000 people that were a part of this church and that they'd be trying to raise $14 million and tons of volunteers to participate in God's kingdom activities, well, they probably would have freaked out. Right? That's why God doesn't show us the whole game plan all up front because we'd freak out. He doesn't want us to freak out. He doesn't like that. What they did do, though, is they prayed. And step by step, day by day, year by year, God has guided us. And who knows where God wants to take us in the next 50 years? Who knows what amazing things He's going to do? Who knows the role that He wants each one of us to play in that? I don't know. But what I do know is that when we pray, we find out. Because when somebody's praying, God starts moving. And we get to go along for the ride, and what a ride it is. Lord, we know that we need you every single day, every single hour. And so, Lord, right now, we lift our voices to you in prayer through song.